Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Wow, you guys are good. Stand up. Hold your Bibles up if you would, please. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, we are doing a series uh, this month on miracles, and, uh, you know, many people today still struggle with the idea that God wants to do something great, uh, supernatural in our lives, and as a result of that, we become double-minded. We are divided in the way we believe, divided by the words that we speak, and uh, I want to get in our minds that when we pray, we need to believe. Um, so very important. Uh, I, I used to golf with a guy that uh, it's just negative, you know. Well, you know, it's only a three-foot putt, but I'm probably going to miss it. Yeah, you probably are. You know, you're directing yourself to toward loss, toward a miss instead of toward God. And there, it doesn't cost us anything to believe. I've never understood why people would not want to believe in Jesus uh, what does it cost you to believe in Jesus? Why wouldn't you want to? If, if anything is true in the world, if the Bible is true, then why wouldn't I want to at least cover myself and go, you know what, I think I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe that Jesus did die for my sins. And so many people don't. But uh, I talked a little bit two weeks ago. I said, you know, there were, th- there were three steps. Number one step toward a miracle is expectation. What are you expecting? When you got in your car this morning, you expected it to start. Now, maybe some of you are watching home say, yeah, I got in, but it didn't start. That's why I'm not there. But you got in, and you turned the key. We, we don't realize how often we're really exercising faith without realizing we're, ex- we're exercising that faith. But when you get in the car, you expect it to start. It's a great expectation. But when we pray, do we really expect God to respond? God is not far removed. He's present. Uh, He inhabits the praises of his people. He sits down in that place. And so William Carey said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. As Earl Roberts used to say, expect a miracle. And it's very, very important. Many miracles came through the ministry uh, of Earl Roberts. And, you know, he was a polarizing figure in Tulsa because he actually lived out what he preached out. And uh, so today we're going to talk about participation. Two weeks ago we talked about expectation. What is your role in the miracle? Do you realize that every one of us when we pray, there's a really good chance we have a role to play after we pray? That we don't just sit back and wait on God to do something. You say, God, I, I really like for my bills to get paid. Guess what? You're going to get up and go to work. You're going to participate in, in God answering that prayer. 
And so very, very important that we understand that sometimes God wants us to do things that are outside our comfort zone, things we don't want to do, things that we might be embarrassed by, things we might be ashamed of in order to get to our miracle. And uh, in James chapter 2, it said, out of the Message Bible, isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. You know, if you're praying for someone to be born again, you're asking, and you say, well, where's the miracle in that? It's a miracle that any of us can be born again. What are you willing to do to help that person come to know Jesus? You know, I have people all the time say, would you pray for my family member? He or she is lost. They're not going to heaven. And, and my next question is, well, help me. What have you done to introduce them? Now, you say, well, I'm not really. I've heard people say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a minister. Everyone's a minister. Every one of us is called to minister in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And uh, God's called us and wants to use us to help someone with their miracle. Someone led me to Jesus or led me to a place of decision for Christ. Uh, I grew up in a home where mother took us to church, but I didn't really understand the whole concept of salvation until I got older and was miserable and, and saw two friends of mine that were always happy, very kind, and I wanted what they had. To me, that's a part of leading someone to Jesus. And in Christianity, uh, we have this, every now and then, this attitude that causes people to go, you're no different than me. Well, we are different. We're not better, but we should be different. Our response or reaction to crises should be different, and that in and of itself is miraculous because we are fallen human beings. And so, uh, I'm going to talk about several stories today. Number one, a story you're very familiar with, and this is a part of overcoming shame. Uh, Brother Osteen used to always ask this question, how big is your want to? How important is the miracle that you need? What are you willing to do to get that miracle? Well, I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible because I just like how it reads. It says, a woman who had suffered a condition of hemorrhaging for 12 years, a long succession of physicians had treated her and treated her badly, taking all her money and leaving her worse off than before. Had she had heard about Jesus, she slipped in from behind and touched his robe. She was thinking to herself, if I can just put a finger on his robe, I can get well. She had an expectation which led her to a place of participation. I think if I can just get to him and I can just touch him, I believe I can be made well. The moment she did it, the flow of blood dried up, she could feel the change, and knew her plague was over and done with. At the same moment, Jesus felt energy discharging from him. Now, please understand, there are people surrounding Jesus. There's a crowd of people, and only Jesus would be able to really feel, none of us would be able to probably feel this leaving his body, power, this healing power leaving his body because one lady had an expectation that he could do something that doctors were not able to do, and she decided, I, my want to is huge. I've got to get healed or I'm going to die. 
And she didn't just say, hey, would you all pray for me and go find that Jesus guy? Can you imagine just for a moment how fatigued this lady was? She's almost anemic, if not anemic. I mean, she could probably barely stand up, but she said, I'm going to do something to get to him. Now, let me interject this before I forget, because this is where... Uh, lost people, if you will, I hate using that word, but people who don't know Jesus or don't follow Jesus think, I'm not good enough to get a miracle. So they never ask because they're measuring God's power and ability against their life of sin. And let me just tell you, God majors on miracles. As a matter of fact, when you get born again, you weren't good enough to get born again. God loved you enough to make it possible for you to be born again. That's a miracle. It's not like, okay, I'll get good enough, and then God will give me eternal life. I'll be good enough, and then I'll approach Jesus on a day that I get good enough. If she waited, she'd be dead. So many of you may be watching go, man, I wish I could know God. I wish that I could believe God. I wish I could be good enough for God to do something for me. God's waiting every day to do something for us. He's waiting on us. How often does a day go by when we don't include God in some of the things that we desire, things that we need? All we do is we have a wish list, but we don't have a prayer list that says, God, these are the things that I'm believing for every day. And if we stand strong and we keep on believing, regardless of what we're going through, regardless of how bad you might have been for a week, a month, a year, or a lifetime, God's waiting on you to participate like this woman. And can you imagine, she, she, did, she wasn't a reputable person. She's a mess. And, and she approaches Jesus knowing, if I can just get near him, I will get well. So he turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said, what are you talking about? With this crowd pushing and jostling you, you're asking who touched me? Man, if I'd have been Jesus, I'd have gotten me 12 more guys. <laughs> These guys were always asking the stupidest questions, making the stupidest statements. I mean, it gives all of us hope just knowing the 12. I mean, they're trying to tell Jesus, oh, come on, man, you can't. I mean, imagine just for, it's frightening to me to be that close to Jesus asking such a dumb question. I'm thinking I will get struck down. Thank God he's not that kind of God. Who touched me? Dozens have touched you. But he went on asking, looking around to see who had done it. The woman knowing what had happened, knowing she was the one, stepped up in fear and trembling and knelt before him and gave him the whole story. Jesus said to her daughter, you took a risk of faith and now you're healed and whole. Live well, lived blessed, be healed of your plague. See, even times when you create your own mess, you do something that is, you know, you cause the problem. And here's what happens. With, well, it's my fault. Everything is our fault. Do you realize everything is our fault? And so it's not like God's going, well, you know, it's not their fault that this happened, so I'm going to give them a miracle. I think God looks and says it's their fault, and they recognized it. Now I'm going to give them a miracle. Because you're going to do things in your life, as am I, that, that you think 
that God's upset with you. God is not upset with you. The devil wants you to believe that God wakes up every day and measures how much he loves you or likes you based on what you did yesterday. Some of y'all can even, you're so afraid of God, you can have a bad dream and feel guilty. I can't believe I dreamed that. There are things you don't want to say to God, but God knows every thought. Go ahead and say it. You see, we treat God like he's some distant dictator that, that gets up every day and just kind of randomly does things, when in reality, he does them in cooperation and coordination with our faith and our prayer. That's what he tells this lady, you, you, had a, you risk your faith by touching me. Everybody's pressing in, but she pressed in with faith. Everybody else is around Jesus. Maybe they wanted to be around him because he was popular, and they just wanted to be seen with him. They wanted to be seen in the crowd. This lady didn't care. She just said, I've got something I can't overcome, and if I don't overcome it, I'm going to die. And she just said, I don't care who's here. I don't care what I've done. I'm not looking at what I've done. I've heard about what he's done, and I'm pressing into what he's done and forgetting what I've done. And then there's the miracle that comes in a way that, you really don't want it to come. You, you have an anticipation of, of how it ought to work. Matter of fact, most of the time when we pray for miracles, we are looking after we pray to a supernatural God, we know who is capable of helping us with a miracle. And God's really got me on this sometimes where I go, I, I think I know where this miracle can come from. And God says, you have no idea. It may come from someone you have, you don't even, you've never met, you don't know them. And we start looking for a person instead of looking to Jesus for the miracle. And God will bring somebody out of the blue you've never seen, never known, and do a miracle for you. Now, some people say, well, you know, it's not a miracle if, if, if somebody else helps me. Yeah, the miracle is that somebody else helped you. It's not like all of a sudden this, this invisible entity deity whatever shows up though that can happen and and god just touches your body while you're sleeping at night that can happen but sometimes god uses people and sometimes he'll use people you don't like just so you can humble yourself god i don't i don't want to be thankful to them I, i don't want that person to help me but that may be the person that introduces you to the miracle god's holding for you 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 11. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over me or over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Naaman was a leader of leaders. He has leprosy. His, uh, one of his servants tells him about this prophet, go to this prophet. He's going, what, with an expectation of how the miracle is going to happen. He was comfortable with the way he was thinking about the miracle. He had already decided this is how it's going to go down. And he gets there and things start happening differently. You see, oftentimes we we have this idea and we're comfortable with it. And this is the only way we're going to allow the miracle to happen is if it's done our way. This is not Burger King or whatever that have it your way burger joint is. I want it to be God's way because God's way is how I'm going to get the miracle. 
Now, this lady could have, we know that throughout history, I'm thankful for the medical community. I'm thankful that, uh, for the science and the brilliance. And, and God sometimes uses physicians. There's a very dear friend of mine who was diagnosed with cancer. He's going to die. The, the, his first doctor said, there's nothing we can do. This is it. And, and his mother, who is a PA, said, you know what? We're not going to let this happen. She found a doctor. and She said, we're going to go find a way to get you well. Well, this is 12 years ago, and he is cancer-free. A miracle came through the hands of somebody. His mother said, location, location, location. We're going to do everything we can, which is what the lady with the issue of blood did everything she could, and then God will do everything he will. So in, in that case, my friend's case, God used a doctor that evidently was better than all the rest because the first doctor he went to said, there's just nothing we can do. But he didn't give up. You see, sometimes the miracle doesn't happen the first time. It doesn't happen the second time. It doesn't happen the first day, the next week, the next month, or the next year. But never give up. As long as you have breath in you, believe God for whatever it is you're fighting for. We live in such a convenient society. Everything's convenient. Everything's easy. And we think it's going to be done quick. And we want it done in our time frame. But if we'll trust God, he'll do it not just his way. He'll do it the best way. And so, the prophet tells him, verse 14, so to, to go dip in the Jordan... And he says, aren't the Abana River, the Farpar River of Damascus better than all the rivers of Israel put together? If it's rivers I need, I'll wash it home and get rid of my leprosy. So he went away in rage. But his servant was smart enough to ask him questions. Wouldn't you have done something if it would have been? And, and so she talks sense into his head saying, why wouldn't you at least try this? You know, some people don't go to churches like ours because they're afraid of the supernatural. We talk about miracles. We talk about the Holy Spirit. We talk about the supernatural. And, and you know, but, but I'm telling you, I wouldn't waste my time, and I say this respectfully as Mark Crow can say it, I would not waste my time going to a church that didn't believe in miracles. If you're watching and you're from another church or you're a pastor, you need to start believing in miracles. People need miracles, probably more than ever. We need miracles. It's the old school way of saying it's a full gospel church, which means there are less than full gospel churches. And actually, full gospel churches are oftentimes made fun of and say, y'all are strange. Well, you are too. You just haven't admitted it. I want to be strange enough to believe that whatever I need, God can provide it. And if you call that strange, call me strange. And don't be ashamed of it. Don't be afraid of it. So this guy has this in mind. So in verse 14, so he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, not one. See, it would have been maybe different if, if the prophet would have said, just go dip once. You know, he said, go dip seven times. I want everybody to watch you go down and up, down and up. I think it might have been entertaining. I don't know. But I think more than that, the prophet said, you know what? 
You need to want this bad enough to not care what anybody else thinks or anybody else says. You need to do whatever this man of God says do in order to get what you want to get. I mean, to me, this, in not just Mosaic, any church that believes in all that we believe in, why wouldn't you want to get up and be in the house? Location, location, location. Well, you know, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to get up. I don't want to, you know, I don't know anybody. And we use all these excuses, and God says, when you get up and you get into my house in the presence where people are worshiping, let me tell you, things happen. Things will happen in church that are not going to happen in your house. Now, I know I'm going to get in trouble, judge, whatever, but the reality is we, we put it all on God. God, I'm going to lay here in bed, and I want you to touch me. Now, sometimes he'll do that. I'm, I don't know how he does it, but sometimes, but most of the time, God's going to say, what are you willing to do to get what you need from me? He gets us out of our comfort zone sometimes to get us in the miracle zone so that God says, oh, you know what? I see that you want this. The woman with the issue of blood didn't lay at home and say, would you all go talk to Jesus and have him come talk to me? Or would you just go tell him I'm sick and here's the problem? She said, you know what? I don't trust anybody else but myself to get to my miracle. I'm not expecting anybody else. I'm expecting God to do it, and I'm going to do what God expects of me to get it done. As the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. One man writes, unless a man has to do more than he can do, he will not do all that he can do. Unless a man has to do more than he can do, he will not do all that he can do. Sometimes God puts it on us and says, here's what needs to happen. There have been times in all of our lives when we've done things that we were very uncomfortable doing. And, you know, one of the arguments in communities that don't believe is the Bible says that believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Now, you know, many people don't want anybody laying hands on them, especially with oil all over their hands, you know. (laughs) Anoint them with oil, the Bible says. And, and, you know, it is kind of strange. Been there, done that, where it's like, oh, my goodness. You know, I've told you the story when I, I got injured playing football, and, and uh, I had calcium deposits on my spine. And uh, they'd done these x-rays, and they said the only way for your hands to quit going numb is if we cut you right here and we scrape the calcium deposits so that the blood can flow to the extremities, your extremities. How many of you know I got to believing in miracles real quick. And I was praying. I said, God, you've heard the report, and, and here's what the Spirit of God put in my heart. He said, if you'll go to church and you'll raise your hands and worship me, I'll heal you. Now, I just didn't think that was fair at the time because I was really not comfortable raising my hands. You know, I'm a guy. I, I was in my early 20s. I was cool. And I thought all these people raising their hands and shouting hallelujah were weird people. But all of a sudden, I thought to myself, I don't want to look like Frankenstein the rest of my life, having these carved scars right here. 
So I went in, and I, I began to just kind of, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm. Nothing's happening. And I could hear God say, really? That's the best you can do? Okay, God. Hallelujah. Still nothing. God's like, really? And I thought, man, come on, God. Meet me halfway. He said, not till you come all the way. Then I thought, I sure hope I use underarm deodorant today. Somebody next to you worship, that can kill your spirit. Worship right there. Like, oh, my God. You know? So finally, I began to lift my arms all the way up to heaven and worship him. I've never had surgery. Never had to have surgery. Now, I will tell you, here's what happens. Every now and then, my, my arms, every now and then, they'll go numb. And the devil says, well, it's your time. And I say, no, God healed me. I, I'm not praying for healing. I was healed by his stripes. I was healed. But, but that, that comes back. Can you imagine the woman with the issue of blood ever seeing blood anywhere in her body going, oh, no, it's back. That's the devil wants to continue to torment you with what was holding you back from your miracle. Amen. Man, I tell you, I lift my hands now anywhere. It's just, it doesn't matter to me, and, and we'll talk Jesus anywhere. See, God puts us in places to receive miracles and be a vessel for miracles. But we have to make it known what we believe. Now, the next thing here is putting yourself around not just the right place, but around the right people. It's very important because I don't want to listen to people discount the power of God or the possibilities that God brings. It's a great story. <clears throat> Mark chapter 2, verse 3. And you've, most of you have read this or heard this, but it says, Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. These are some good friends right here. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, <clears throat> lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, this is interesting because Jesus knows he's paralyzed. But instead of immediately addressing his paralytic condition, Jesus said, even, this is my, if, even if this man gets healed without understanding the power of forgiveness, he will go back to being the same miserable person he always was. Now, he may walk, but he won't be happy. He said, the, most, the thing that's most important in all of the world, your sins are forgiven. Amen. 
You can get well, you can get healed of cancer, you can get healed of paralysis, you can get healed of all those things, but at the end of the day, the world is still the world and people are still the people. You might have a little bit more going for you, but the reality is until we understand your sins are forgiven, we will never be whole. We are not made whole because we walk. We're not made whole because we talk. We are made whole because we are forgiven and we are set free from sins that once controlled our lives. So Jesus very first says, and I think it's also to demonstrate, look, y'all think what I'm about to do with this paralytic man is something? Let me tell you, I'm able to not just take care of your here and now. I'm able to take care of your eternity. You are forgiven. And when this is over, you're going to even a better place. Now, here's what I love. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there. Thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Hang out with people that are willing to tear a hole in somebody's roof. You don't want to be around people say, well, you know, I wouldn't bother going to church if I was you. I look and say, well, you're not me, and I'm going to bother. You see, it, it's easy to stay at home, and I, again, I, I'm, I'm continuing to address a pandemic mentality that we've gotten into habits of doing things a certain way, and, and now we've lost our press, if you will. We've lost our ability to get up on Sunday morning. we found excuses that exempt us in our minds from putting ourselves in a place where God might want to do something supernatural. And it's sometimes you need to be around the right people for the miracle to happen. You need to be around the right people. And you're sitting at home alone going, I want God to come to me. Well, you know what? God's saying faith without works is dead. Go to God. Put yourself in a place of miracles. Throughout the the history of, of my pastoring, there were literally people that we had all these prayer partners, and there would be people come up, and we didn't know who all of them were, never will, never, we don't even hear, know who everybody is. But in, when we're, there were thousands of people, one time a prayer partner came up to me and said, a person came to the prayer line today, and, and they said, look, hey, listen, I don't go to your church, but I need a miracle. They go to another church. They said, I go to another church, but I'm coming here, so we don't pray for people like that. I thought that was interesting. I thought, and then you don't go back to a place where they're going to discount what God's about to do here because God's about to do something. So when we pray, we need to believe. When we pray, we need to believe. And I'm going to close with this thought. Jack Hayford, one of the great pastors of my lifetime out of Van Nuys, California, said some people have simply stopped expecting. 
they have accumulated enough of life's disappointments to become afraid to dream, to reach, to stretch, to broaden their horizons. But God wants to free us unto tomorrow. He won't allow us to blame yesterday. Neither will he allow us to cast blame on anything or anybody who seems to restrict our tomorrows. In other words, you and I are responsible to do our part to participate and to expect. And I want to speak to those of you watching this on YouTube, podcast, Facebook, whatever it is this week. I want to challenge you to put yourself in church again, in a place around people who might just be vehicles to your miracle. You're at home, you're doing nothing, and here God is wanting to pull you into a place where you can encounter the supernatural power that he brings to a house. We invite you to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your patience with us. We do thank you for your power, but more importantly, I thank you for your patience because, God, sometimes it takes a while for us to move off of high center to get ourselves in a place where you want to work in our lives and do something supernatural. And I thank you today, God, that you're doing just that. You're moving throughout this earth by your spirit to all people who are believing, risking faith, doing whatever it takes to get what it is they need. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we want to pray a prayer of salvation. The greatest miracle of all time in my books is the fact that my sins are forgiven. Not that my, my neck was healed, but that my sins are forgiven. That my eternity is taken care of. It's important that you understand eternity's a long time. We'll spend forever in the presence of God, a short time on earth. Make sure that where you're going to spend eternity is secured today. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to suffer and die for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I put my faith in you, and I declare I am forgiven. I am born again. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, or you prayed it to recommit your life, I want to ask you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Just SAVED to 405-500-1310. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.